So when I first started coming to church here, I was dragged here by my parents. I didn't really want to go. Um, I wasn't in a good mood when I came. I was really mean to Ben <laughs> because I just didn't want to be here. I already had a church that I was going to and I already had friends and I wasn't really in a place in my life where I guess I was open to a new church and making new friends um, and I thought I was just completely fine where I was before and everyone here was super welcoming. The waffles were really good. I was born in Russia and the first, when I first came here with my new parents, I didn't know what church was. I didn't know anything about God. And then when I heard about youth group, I went in and saw these people. And that's when I kind of fall in love with God, learning about people who knew about God and how they grow in faith with God. And that just made me fall in love with God. Marine Covenant Church has always been a really loving place to me and a really welcoming place. Uh, I lived in Houston for two of my high school years, so I wasn't here a lot, but it was always welcoming whenever I came back. Um, all the people here, great people. I felt loved mostly by Marine Covenant Church, by the community that they provided for me. My first leader when I was here was Brooke Mazzarello, and it was really amazing being able to start a church and not really ever having the youth part of the church in my life and being led by a young adult, a young woman who was easily to like connect with and she really helped me um, like take my first steps in my faith. My sister and I had been in Hawaii all summer and our house got foreclosed on, which is in San Rafael and we had nowhere to like go to church or youth group that was anywhere close to us because we were up in Santa Rosa most of the part, most of the time. My mom found an MCC, and she's like, oh, they have a youth group. We went on Sunday, and uh, Ben was having people read verses. I was like, okay, I'll read it, like the first day at church, at youth group. And Ben was like, nice. First day here, he's already reading verses. I was like, thank you. I came here my junior year, and um, I started by sitting in the back with my mom, and we met Ann Ibsen after church and she introduced me to the youth group. And so I went and I just met a bunch of people and I met Ben and I, bet, and I met um, Riley and some of the other seniors and we've all became such good friends and they've helped me grow in my faith throughout the past couple of years. The first person I ever met at Marine Covenant was actually Ben Kearns. Um, and he introduced me to the youth group. He introduced me to Riley Krabs um, and then I went to one of the Wednesday night groups um, and kind of just fell in love with the church um, and we made the transition over um, and there I met Nikki Clausen um, and those two, um, Riley and Nikki, have become some of my closest friends at the church um, and have made me really feel welcome through the whole transition of moving churches and meeting new people. I love Marin Covenant Church because it's just, it's the home that I grew up in and it makes me feel loved and accepted. I've always had uh, struggles fitting in and here I really do feel like I, um, I, uh, I fit in. Hey, go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome everybody again to Marin Covenant Church. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And uh, welcome to Youth Sunday. This is my, uh, my favorite Sunday 
of the year. Can you believe this is my 19th graduating class doing student ministry? I know. I know. I started youth ministry back when I was like five and it was super great back then. And what's interesting is for almost 20 years for doing this thing, there's a couple of things that I've realized that have become more and more true in my life. Um, one of them is that my heart continues to grow for students and for student ministry. Um, to walk with these seniors um, is just the greatest gift. Um, to see these fifth graders and watching them move on up, I could not be more, um, yeah, more inspired and more excited to do what I do. So I love that. Um, the other thing that I've noticed over these 19 years is that it seems that the task of parenting is only getting harder and harder and harder. Um, to, to think of how to raise kids to be good, upstanding citizens, let alone people who know and love Jesus, that task seems to be getting harder and harder. And I don't know if it's our, if it's our cultural time or the fact when I was 21, I knew everything there was to know about parenting. Um, doing student ministry then, I could tell these parents, like, listen, I know you're double as my age, but I know what to do with your kid. And they would never listen to me. And, um, and as I've raised my own kids, I realized, man, this task of parenting is challenging. Both uh, the task of it and the cultural moment that we're in, it takes a lot of work. Um, and of course, of all weeks, this is the week that I, had to, I got to experience a really challenging parenting moment myself. Um, for fourth grade, our kids do these how-to speeches, and they make this big project, and parents have to kind of get involved or not involved at all. But this is our first son, so it was a little different. Our second, our daughter will do it differently, but for our first son, we want to do a good job and present well. <laughs> and so he did how to make a cake. And, and so he wrote note cards, he worked really hard at it, and my job was to simply film it, and uh, it was great. So I'm filming him, making a cake, and everything is going great. And it was this moment I dreamed of before I had kids. Oh, someday I'm going to have a kid, and we're going to do projects together, and it's going to be this time that God's going to use to knit our hearts together, doing these things that we love. That's how I imagined it before I had kids. And, uh, and in this moment, in the, the minute it started, I'm like, this is great. This is that moment I dreamed of. But as you can imagine, if you've ever helped your kid on a project, that moment kind of got harder and harder. As, as I'm filming him watching, like, this is like 10 minutes of awfulness. And so... Um, I mean, it was great. He's precious, but it just went on and on. And so he went to baseball practice, and when he came back, I had this epiphany. All of a sudden, I went from being the dad to being the director. And as the director, I know exactly how to make this thing work. And I'm like, we splice this here, we add music here. And no, you need to do this one thing in, this, in the kitchen. He's like, that's not on my note cards. I'm like, do this one thing. He's like, not on my note cards. Well, it ended awful. And here I am filming my kid as tears are rolling down his eyes, like, here's my cake. And I'm like... Oh, the total disaster parent moment that did not work out at all. How when I closed my eyes and imagined this moment 10 years ago, what it would be like. And, uh, and when I think about that, I think, man, I tried way too hard. My kids were in preschool, you know. They don't remember that stuff. They remember this stuff at 10. And uh, the task of parenting is so challenging. And we want to help our kids know and love Jesus. And at least for me, that moment, I mean, it stuck with me that whole rest of this week. I was like, oh. I cannot believe I had this moment that I totally failed in parenting. How's my kid ever going to forgive me? How's he ever going to know and love Jesus? And, um, and it kind of leads into to what we're going to be talking about this morning, which is basically we're all human and we all screw up and we all have challenges raising our kids. But if there's th three things, if we do these three things, our kids have a better than average shot at being good, upstanding citizens, but even more so knowing and loving Jesus and serving him. So here's these three things that I just want to share with quickly, and I'm going to pass it back over to these guys. And the first thing is this, that I have a job to do, that you have a job to do. If you are a parent, if you have kids of your own, you have a job. 
is a very specific and a very important job. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses gives some of the most incredible wisdom found almost in all of Scripture. Chapter 6, verse 4, it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strengths. Strength. These commandments I give today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And I love this passage of scripture because your job as a parent, my job as a parent is to simply do two things when it comes to raising our kids and helping them know, to know and love Jesus. One is this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Study after study has proven this out, and anecdotal evidence after anecdotal evidence has proven this out, that your kids, my kids, are going to mimic and share my values. They're going to share your values. Now, the trick is they don't share your spoken values. We all have spoken values. We all have ways that we like to present to people. But our kids don't pick up on our spoken values. They pick up on our true values. So if you want your kids to genuinely know and love Jesus, then you have to genuinely know and love Jesus. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Doesn't mean you have to have the Bible memorized. Doesn't mean you have to never ever screw up. But it means that you have a faith that is alive and is active. So when I make my kid cry over the silly little project, I have to humbly ask for his forgiveness and say, man, I'm just working this out too and I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? And I have an opportunity to grow on. So he may not go, this is what a good dad does, but at least he might go, oh, at least a good dad is someone who's humble and owns their stuff, right? So we have to love Jesus with all of who we are. That is our number one thing. And then the second part is, right, that we, we talk about it. We impress these things onto our children. We, uh, you know, we wander when we walk, um, when we go on walks, when we drive our kids to school, when we do these things. We want to have these intentional conversations. And when I imagine having, raising a kid, I, this is going to be great. We're going to have meal times every night together at 5.30, and we'll all sit around the table and share where God's shown up at that, our, our, our day that day. And we tuck them into bed. We'll have like a 30-minute Bible study, and we'll pray, and our kids will weep for the, the, the world as they pray for our compassion kid. And then the morning we'd have morning devotions, and the whole day would be this amazing spiritual bliss. That's how I imagined it. And uh, it is hard work, right, to be intentional, having conversations and raising your kids with these things. But we have to make space to do those things. But if you're a normal parent like I am, and you find it is actually a challenge to get those rhythms, to do those daily rhythms, well, then that leads us to my second point. And the second point is I have a job to do as a parent, but you have a job to do as people of Marin Covenant Church. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a grandparent, whether you aren't married, whether you're single, no matter your life situation, if you are sitting in a seat this morning, then you have a job to do. And this is your job. Your job is simply to model the love and grace of Jesus Christ to our kids. That is your job. There's a Fuller Youth Institute uh, took this study and wrote this incredible book called Sticky Faith. I highly recommend it. They're basically asking the question, how in the world do you help kids know and love Jesus for the long haul? And they came up with this incredible um, ratio, five to one. And as a longtime youth worker, I'm like, that's a great ratio. I'm the youth worker. I have a small group of five guys, and I pour my life into them. I've been doing that for 20 years. You got it. Me, my five guys, all day, pour my life into them, and then maybe those guys will know and love Jesus. But these guys said, no, it's not like that at all. It's not one adult to five kids. It's five adults to one kid. The best way for our kids to know and love Jesus is if there's not just me, thankfully, but if there's five other adults in their life who know and love Jesus and model that to them. 
when that happens, the chances for our kids to know and love Jesus goes up dramatically. So when you're helping out in children's ministry, you are actually becoming one of those five people in my kids' life and these kids' lives. Right? I was asking my son, I said, who are some of the people in your Sunday school class, you know, and, and asked, you know, that, that, that have made an impression on you? He's like, oh, man, you know, Clark Roberts and uh, Dale Gilmore, Eric Falk. He starts naming all these people. He's like, but I can't wait to be in sixth grade so I can finally be with Matt. Like, he's like, has all these people. He's, I'm like, I'm the youth and children's pastor, you know? He's like, no, I can't wait to be with Matt. And uh, he, he has all these things that like, he's looking forward to because there's these adults in their lives. And you've heard some of our students, they go, oh man, Brooke Mazzarello and Rick Reedy and I want to go surfing with Luke. They have all these people in their lives who are not us. And so when someday right, when our parent goes, man, dad, you're so lame. I hate you. I, I, I'm going to go surfing with Luke. Oh, awesome. Hate me and surf with Luke all day. I would love that, right? It's like this little trick they don't even know about because we need, a, they need adults. So by you being here, we need you. As a parent, I need you. As a youth and children's pastor, we need you to model love and grace to our kids. When they're rolling around and eating too many donuts and on our furniture, you are adults in their lives. When you call them out by name, they are known and seen, and this church becomes their church home. So that's your job. And the last thing is, is that we need each other, and that we genuinely need each other to pull this thing off. The parent alone can't do this. The Sunday school teacher alone can't do it. But it's this unique blend. And for our children's ministry, we're, we're part of this network of churches that does this thing called Orange. And Orange is just a clever little um, way to talk about a ministry philosophy, which is saying the best way for kids to know and love Jesus is you take the red, the heart, right, of the care of the home, and you combine that with the light of the church, right, yellow and red, together make orange. And those two investments, it's not one plus one equals two, but they say it is this way. It's one plus one is greater than two. When the home life is working well and you're modeling Jesus, and when the church life is healthy and modeling Jesus, then the chances for our kids to know and love Jesus is incredible. Our superintendent, Paul Wilson, uh, said this, which I thought was really profound. He said, back in the 50s, and that's in, in the history books for me, but like in, in art heyday, right? But, <laughs> but back then, um, the, 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 amount, the, the difficulty it was to be a kid and to become a normal citizen, let alone a disciple of Christ, the effort to pull that off was kind of, was, was right about here. But the cultural investment in kids Right? That's when like, youth sports were happening and youth programs. So the cultural investment, the church investment in those kids was way up here. Right? So you have, it wasn't that hard, and the investment was, super, was so much. But he says what's happened culturally is it's flip-flop. The challenge for our kids to just be normal citizens, let alone people who know and love Jesus, the challenge is so hard now. It is so high now. And the cultural investment is so low. And he said, it is just heartbreaking. And he's going all around um, our conference, helping churches realize that there needs to be a re renewed investment in our children's and youth ministry. And I am so honored to be a part of a church that didn't need a superintendent to have this epiphany, but for 45 years has said, children and students and investing them is one of the main priorities of Marin Covenant Church. I'm totally humbled to be part of a long line of youth workers who have been invested tons of their life and resources from incredible children's workers. And I'm part of an incredible team with Stacy and Katie and Beth and my partner in crime, Matt, to do youth and children's ministry. You think, man, that's so much staff. But our church gets that the investment to help our kids know and love Jesus, it is so hard that the investment needs to be equally high. And I thank you, church, for making that possible. And for you, class, it has been 
the honor of my life to be with you and to walk with you, to share this season of life with you. And I'm so excited to see what God has for you next. For this moment, is just a moment, because after this, you guys get launched, and then we get to come back and hear all that God's doing for you. So I love you, and uh, it's been an honor to be with you. I want to show you, we've got one more video, and then I'm going to invite up my friend Ethan Hoy to tell you some more stuff. Here we go. I kind of wrestled with the question about who does God want me to be, um, and that's kind of my next step going into college, trying to figure out what I want to do and what God wants me to do and what he has in store for me. Jesus has always been something that I can run to whenever I'm struggling. Um, it, I mean, it should be that I, can, that I should always have him in my life, but it just happens that it's not always like that, you know, you forget. Um, I think at Marine Covenant, it's a very open place to wrestle with your theology. Um, there's no, no one ever tells you this is right and this is wrong and you should believe this way. Um, and I think that was really helpful in my, my walk with God. I feel like at Marine Covenant you have space to ask questions and not get shut down for your views. And I feel like that's really helpful and it has been helpful for me um, because as a high schooler I have lots of questions about the world and want to know certain viewpoints. Um, and so at Marine Covenant I've been able to explore. I think the, the biggest thing that I've struggled with with my faith and stuff was like how in the Old Testament God was like speaking to people and like telling them, hey, go set my people free, and, like talking through burning bushes and stuff like that. And like nowadays he doesn't really talk to people anymore. The biggest issue I've had is maybe just not seeing the results of prayer and trying to form a relationship with God right away. I'm not very patient. And when I pray and ask for stuff and it's just like not given to me right away, it's kind of difficult. And not, sometimes not being able to see God's work and understanding why he puts me in certain situations and why he's done what he's done with my life. And I know he does it all for a reason. And sometimes it's just hard to see and hard to cope with. Howdy. Um, I'm Ethan Hoy. Uh, I've been attending MCC for most of my life now. Um, and I just want to share with you my, uh, my testimony. So I grew up in a Christian household. Um, I knew that Jesus existed, but I really didn't like know Jesus. Um, I was stuck in the routine of Sunday school, you know, just going, saying the prayers, but not actually feeling it in your heart. Um, when I was moved up to middle school in youth group, I started, uh, and I started to attend it regularly, uh, I was challenged in a lot of my beliefs. And uh, Ben Kearns was the usher to these challenges. He, um, he brought these messages that really made me think, um, rethink how I'm living my life. Um, so he, he showed me not just to uh, talk the talk, but walk the walk and feel and know in my heart that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. So um, throughout middle school, I felt, if, I felt as I was the, uh, the odd one out. For people that know me, I was like a 12-year-old stuck in a 17-year-old's body. I was very uncoordinated, yet I loved to play basketball. Um, the combination of my height and my coordination 
encourage kids to exclude me uh, from their groups and socializing. Um, so I was always trying to get people like me, and that drove me to be the class clown, trying to get people to laugh. Um, this made me a troublemaker in class, uh, and I even was a troublemaker in youth group. I was, I uh, joined the troublesome group and was labeled in my school as a weirdo and a freak. This was something that angered me and stuck with me even into high school. Even though it was one of the biggest burdens I had in middle school, every single Wednesday at youth group, I felt like it was lifted off my shoulders. I felt like I was refreshed and renewed. Every time I attended youth group, Ben Kearns uh, would greet me with a warm hello, and he would have uh, like an expression on his face of just pure happiness, and he was, he was sincere about it. And at that time, he was the only adult besides my parents that expressed happiness when I was present. That, uh, yeah, that always, uh, it reminded me that, you know, you should be thankful for the circumstances God has put us in here. Um, so I saw high school as a fresh start, a chance to change how people viewed me. Later I found out that changing others' opinions is near to impossible. Freshman year, I was bombarded with the same insults and labels that triumphed over me in middle school and I felt as if I was stuck in a pit that I dug myself. This drove me to extreme lengths to cope with this depression, and uh, I searched for many ways to cover up this feeling. This overwhelmed me for over a year. I attended, or I ended the year ashamed of whom I have become. I had a mask on at all times. I felt as if I was fake, like no one knew who I really was. Though I was trapped in my depression, Ben Kearns was taking every opportunity to tell me that our true Father, Jesus Christ, loves me, loves me. And I truly believe that without youth group and the love that MCC has brought to me, I would not be the person standing here today. I would not be the same at all. So beginnings of sophomore year, I felt like I had no chance to escape from this depression and self-loathing. I remember one Thursday morning after youth group, I was sitting alone on a bench on campus, and I heard God's voice for one of the first times in school. He told me to go up to a kid whom I have never met or talked to before and tell him he was loved. I was absolutely terrified. But at that time, I almost felt something push me off the bench. So I walked, toward him, walked towards him. Um, I sat down next to him, and I said, you're loved. He immediately got up and told me I was weird and walked away swiftly while looking back at me. I was very confused at this point. So I just finished my day and I went home. The next morning, I was walking towards the same bench and I noticed that someone was in my spot. So I got closer and I noticed that it was the kid that I talked to the day before. He was sitting right next to me, so I sat down, and he looked up from his phone, and he smiled, and he said, thank you. And I said, my pleasure. He stood up and walked away, and that was the end of it. <laughs> I immediately knew, though, that God has affected his life. 
And for the rest of my day, the Spirit of the Lord overwhelmed me. I felt joy at school for the first time in many years. And um, one passage that uh, God really has used to shape me, and that is, uh, I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day of Christ Jesus returns. Philippians 1.6. From that day on, God has called me to the ministry of youth in need. I've started to listen to God's voice and hear his words for others around me. He has gave me confidence to tell others what God has for them. God's words have grown louder and louder from that day. His influence in my life has changed me for good. Not only has God been changing me, I believe he has called me into serving him in a vocational way. God is calling me into youth ministry. And that call has been growing, that call has been growing stronger every single day. I found true peace and pleasure only through Jesus Christ, and I want others to experience that as well. I hope that my work in his kingdom will have an effect on teens like me. I, like others have done for me, God is calling me to give back what Ben Kearns and our church has given to me. This is the path God is calling me to, and is, it is my pleasure to give back to our Father. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Um, and that verse just means a lot to me because although I'm a horrible person and I do horrible things, I lie, I cheat, and God knows that. He still loves me. Jesus still died for me. And it's just I mean, it's kind of hard to understand why anyone would ever do that, and it kind of shows his love for us. John 3, 9 is when he says, forgive, I will give all your sins away, and you can get a new life. Um, I think that was really important for me because I've been going through a lot with family and myself issues, and I know that if I have those, I know that God can take them away and have a new life and a new start. In Marin, it's kind of harder to be a Christian. Uh, I lived in Texas for two years, and in those two years, I spent time with a lot of great guys. Uh, my whole group of friends was pretty much only people from my church or people who went to a group called Young Life. And uh, those, two groups, uh, those two groups of friends really helped me uh, connect and pursue Jesus. Um, uh, coming back to Marin after those two years of really being in, uh, involved with the church, um, it's been harder because a lot of less people are Christians here. And um, so you, ha you basically have two different groups of friends a lot of times. You'll have your school friends and then you'll have your church friends. And it's really hard to combine those. Um, when not a lot of people are Christian. A Bible verse that has um, stayed constant in my high school years has been, I can do all things through God who gives me strength. 
And um, this has reminded me to stay strong and stay positive and that um, God gives me strength through anything that I'm going through. Joshua 1.9, which says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Um, and that's been really prevalent in my life um, because I am scared of starting new social activities and being around new people. Um, and it just reminds me that it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to put yourself out in situations. And that verse helped me actually come into this church and be able to make the great friends that I have now. The verse that speaks me the most is Proverbs 31, 25, which is, she is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. My friend Hannah had given it to me on a plaque and it's the first thing that I see when I wake up in the morning. It's the last thing I see when I go to bed and it really, it has helped me, you know, feel strong through all the difficult things that have happened. It just, it just spoke to me like, I'm not, I'm not gonna be afraid of the future anymore. I was like really nervous on a college tours and I'm walking and the girl in front of me has this Bible verse on the back of her sweatshirt and I'm like, it's one of those moments where you're like, this is, this is it, like God is speaking to me and it, I don't know, it was, it was really comforting. Wasn't that, isn't that fantastic to watch that? I'm so encouraged. Yeah. And it's now on my bucket list to one day be a member of the church where Ethan is the pastor. You know, I wanna. Uh, so I get, a say, we get a say in which seminary you go to uh, and all of that. You guys, uh, you seniors have been pastors to us today. And isn't, it's a great thing when your investment gets to come back to you in the form of an investment in your own heart and your own faith, isn't it? We're not, this isn't just a cute little thing, oh good, our kids got to do their shtick today. Holy Spirit has been pounding away at our hearts by what you've just invested in us. Your lives are making us stronger and inspiring us. And um, in fact, why don't all you seniors come on up here and, and join me because we want to offer you something of a challenge, a promise, and then a prayer. If I step down, am I okay or will I feed back? Am I okay to step down on the floor? Okay, thank you. I know that we did this in the first gathering. I don't want you to think that because we're doing this again, it's less sincere now. It'll be a little different. But instead, let the fact that this is happening twice actually strengthen and be a force that makes us even go deeper. Because we believe it now just like we did in the first gathering. First, I want to offer you a promise. And as I'm offering it to you, I'm asking the people behind me here and in front of you to remember it and to own it and to be committed to keeping it. We promise as Marin Covenant Church to always be your church. We promise that no matter what you hear from professors, read in books, struggle with uh, in the future in your lives, whatever you believe 20 years from now or five years from now, that's different than maybe even what you believe now, no matter what you can bring and what comes into your life, when you come here, 
those doors back there will always be open to you, no matter what. No matter what choices you make, what lifestyle you adopt, what you believe or no longer believe, you are always precious to us, always. And you always have a piece of our heart. We promise you that. We promise you as a team of pastors that when you're away at college and you have a question about what some professor just said and it's different than what Ben has been saying forever, you can call and we won't freak out. We'll just process things together and walk together because we always want to be connected to you like that. And we also promise that we will keep ourselves in the position of, of the apprentice when we're learning from you. We promise that we will receive from you your wisdom and your perspective because you have a great investment in us. You help us stay relevant. That's really important. We're lost without that. We promise you that. And a challenge for you. Uh, a challenge I thought of while I was sitting in my seat. Uh, I think we can make this happen. I challenge every one of you to get a copy of that last video. Uh, or maybe all of them. And store them. Because it may well be that you minister to yourself in 20 years by listening to what you were saying in that video. Store it. Look back at it. Remember it. I challenge you, too, to be relevant, faithful followers of Jesus in a constantly and rapidly changing world. For guys my age and people your parents' age, it's happening so fast and changing so fast, our heads are spinning and we can't possibly keep up. But you're able to keep up. And in this rapidly changing world that in some ways is changing for the better, in some ways not. Always remember your leader, Jesus who loved people unconditionally, who believed that the only prerequisite for being treated with dignity and love and kindness, the only prerequisite was being human. Live into that. Beware of the fallacy that you will probably hear from other Christ followers that says, if you're kind and loving and a friend to somebody, that means you endorse every decision they make. Think better thoughts than that. Kindness doesn't mean agreement. It just means kindness, and everybody deserves that. Go and live like that with enough confidence in Christ, the confidence that he can hold on to you no matter where you go, to live freely and to love freely, actually to love wildly. I challenge you to that. We're depending upon you for that. I want to pray for you now, but before I do that, I'm going to ask uh, all of the youth staff, if you're part of our youth staff, volunteer youth staff, would you come up and you're in this gathering, would you come up and, uh, and gather around these students that you've been ministering to? And in addition, all of you who are here who are currently part of our youth group and our youth ministry, come on up. Currently in the youth ministry right now, come on up and gather around your friends. In fact, if you've ever been a part of a Marin Covenant Youth, men, youth group, come on up here and gather around these guys. Some of you who are here visiting home from college and some of you who are 40 or 50 and uh, we're in those first youth groups, come on up here and let's pray together. Folks, would you stand? And if you're comfortable, maybe even especially if you're not, would you extend your hands like this toward our students as a sign of you laying your hands on them even from where you are? And hear the prayers of your church for you.
God, you just keep outdoing yourself every year. Uh, your faithfulness and your love, we see it every year and doubt it the next year and then see it again. Because you're immeasurably kind and consistent. And in fact, as we sang earlier, you are good. We ask you to pour out that heart of goodness on these sisters and brothers of ours, these seniors. Distribute spiritual gifts to them as they're needed. As you ask them from their own bench to walk over to another bench and tell some kid they've never met before or some person they've never met before that they are loved and even with a guarantee that they're going to be called weird and not understood, equip them with the gifts and the courage and the strength, the fortitude and the will to do what you ask them to do in this world. And fill them with your Holy Spirit, the character and intentions of Jesus. Pull them into lives that model the life of Jesus with values like compassion, and justice, and mercy, and love, and humility, and yieldedness, tenderness, and truth. Provide for them, Lord, the wisdom that many who have gone before them have sought, but never really found. The wisdom to combine all of those things without compromising either or any of them. We're asking a lot from you, God, but we'll never be able to ask something you're not able to give when it's according to your will. And we believe that that is according to your will. Remind these students, these young adults, that you, for whatever crazy reason, have chosen to depend upon us, depend upon them, to rescue humanity with your message. May we never forget that. May they never, ever doubt that. We pray this in the name of the one we serve, in the name of the one that gives us access to the Father and is the author of reconciliation, the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. <laughs>